Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on November 21st, 2021 on the basis of John chapter 18, verses 33 to 38. Grace and mercy and peace are yours from the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen. I I have no doubt that there have been probably tons of studies to this effect, but uh, there was a study done about five years ago that that sought to uh, find the answer to how quickly uh, we form impressions of other people. And it, it may not surprise you to, to learn that we form impressions of people very, very quickly. In fact, the study found that in less than one second, you already have your impression of another person. Meaning that in less than one second, you already have a feeling of whether you can trust that person or not. This study found that we link certain facial features to certain personality traits. So, so basically, we're saying that uh, some faces we feel like we can trust and other faces we feel like we can't trust. Uh, they said in this study that, that uh, sometimes these are formed by prior experiences. So you might have some people in your life who you, you just don't trust. And, and your brain remembers their facial features. And so if you meet somebody else who has similar facial features, you you may not even know it, but you're going to be inclined to distrust that person. That's going to be your your first impression of that person. Now, I still do think that that mom's statement is always true. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Uh, We may form our impressions of people very quickly, but that doesn't mean that they're accurate. It doesn't mean that those impressions are reliable. In fact, a lot of times, our first impression of somebody is, is misguided and, and off, off base. If you actually took the time to get to know somebody, uh, you might find that the first impression that you had of them was, was completely wrong. What do you think people's first impression of, of Jesus would have been? I suppose if you were able to go back in time and and talk to people at Jesus' day, you would get a a varied response from those people. And for our purposes, we don't really have much in Scripture that tells us how Jesus looked, uh, his appearance, things that we might look at to make a first impression. In fact, one of the most descriptive things, uh, descriptive sections that talk about what Jesus looks like actually came from a prophecy from Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was, was here. Isaiah said this, He, talking about Jesus, had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his, in his appearance that we should desire him. So if Isaiah was going to put it pretty succinctly, he would say that Jesus was normal, average, nothing special looking. <laughs> Jesus looked like any average person, um, and he certainly did not look like a king. Which was perhaps what confused Pilate a little bit. 
When Pilate sees Jesus, his impression of Jesus is certainly not that of a king. Pilate has seen kings before. He knows what kings look like, and Jesus didn't look like a king, yet people were saying that, that he was. In this particular section, we're going to, to Holy Week. The, the last week of Jesus' work here on earth before he would rise from the dead, spend 40 days on, on earth, and then ascend in, into heaven. So, so in this particular section, Jesus has already been arrested uh, late on Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was brought into Jerusalem, and he was put on, on trial, air quotes around trial, because it, it wasn't a very legitimate trial. They were bringing trumped-up charges against Jesus in front of the Jewish leaders. And after they, they had come up with enough charges to, to bring to, to Pilate, they, they came to Pilate on early on Friday morning. And as they entered Pilate's palace, Pilate's first question to them is, what charges are you bringing against this man? Now, just before our section for today, the, the Jews responded to that question by saying, would we have brought him to you if he wasn't a criminal? That's how they answered the question, what are the charges you're bringing? So it's not really an answer, right? Pilate asked them what charges, and they said, well, we wouldn't bring him here if he wasn't guilty, right? This is kind of what Pilate's been used to with the, the Jewish people. And his first impression of, of the Jewish leaders here is that this is just another silly religious dispute. For, for Pilate, this is nothing more than a nuisance, an annoyance, and he wants nothing to do with it. So he actually tells the Jewish people, just take care of this among yourselves. But the Jewish leaders, they knew the rules. They had the right to administer justice on the basis of their religious laws, but the Jewish leaders had no right to execute anyone. Capital punishment, execution was, was the sole right of the, the Roman government at the time. Only they had the, the power to grant the execution powers, or only they had the power to carry out that execution on their own, and, and the Jewish leaders wanted to put Jesus to death. They, they sought execution there, so they knew that they needed the Roman approval in order to execute uh, Jesus. Once Pilate became aware of that, then things got a little bit more serious. This is a little bit more than just a, a silly religious dispute if they want to put this guy to death. And so, so Pilate needs to do a little investigating into these charges that they're bringing against Jesus. And so the, he takes Jesus from the kind of the courtyard area and he brings him into the praetorium. It'll show up that way in some, some Bibles. That's a fancy way just to say Pilate's palace. The Jews don't follow him in, so it's just... Pilate and Jesus and maybe just a couple guards that would be there with him. And Pilate begins by asking Jesus a question. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Now, if we're strictly reading John's gospel here, that question might be a little confusing. It might seem like Pilate has a little bit more information than, than we've been told that he, he has. Why would he start with that question, are you the king of the Jews? So far, nobody's brought that up in the book of, of John. But the Gospel of Luke kind of informs this, uh, informs us of what's going on here. It clears it up. Luke says that the, the Jews have actually brought three charges against Jesus. 
And so we, we saw that they, they kind of maybe sarcastically said, would we have brought him here if he wasn't a criminal? But there must have been a time there where they were able to bring three charges against Jesus in the presence of Pilate. And here were the three charges. The first one was they accused Jesus of subverting the Roman government, undermining the Roman government, fighting against, working against, all, all similar concepts there. The second charge they brought against Jesus was they accused him of, of encouraging people to not pay taxes to Caesar and that he himself didn't pay taxes to Caesar. And the third charge was that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah King. That's, that's how it's recorded in Luke, the Messiah King. So as the Jews brought these charges to Pilate, it's, it's pretty obvious from Pilate's response that he didn't really consider or care too much about the first two charges. Uh, it, perhaps Pilate thought, well, if Jesus was this great insurrectionist, then he, he would have heard about him before this, this very moment. And if he was any good at it, he definitely would have heard about it before this. If Jesus was encouraging people not to pay taxes to Caesar, then he either would have already been arrested, or again, Pilate probably would have heard of it. But Pilate seems to focus on the third charge. And so he asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds and says, Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? What Jesus is asking Pilate here is, what do you mean by using the term king? Which is a good question for us to ask about Jesus as well. If we're going to say Jesus is king, if we're going to celebrate Christ the King Sunday, then what do we mean when we talk about Jesus as king? Well, now, now's kind of the, the time in in, in the sermon and in our thought process here that we can make personal applications here about what, what it means that Jesus is our king. What, what kind of king is Jesus to you? Have you ever thought about that before? Is Jesus your just-in-case-of-emergency king? Is Jesus your keep-me-happy-and-comfortable king? Is Jesus your do-whatever-I-want king? Is Jesus just a weak and passive king to you? Because these impressions of Jesus as king, they have implications. They have implications to the way that you'll think about Jesus. They have implications to the way that you'll treat Jesus. They have implications to the way that you'll live your, your life. For example, if Jesus is your just-in-case-of-emergency king then he's the king that you run to when times are desperate and you're all out of other options. But when, when life is good, then no need for that king. We don't need Jesus as king anymore. He's not my king when life is going well. Here's another example. If Jesus is your just keep me happy and comfortable king, then that, that, that thinking kind of reverses. Then when things are going well, yes, Jesus is king, God is good, amen. But when life takes a, a turn and things become rough, when things are, are painful, when life is hard, then we, we question where Jesus is as our king. A, a final example, if Jesus is my do-whatever-I-want king, then when, when everything goes according to plan, 
Jesus is king, God is good, amen. When life goes sideways, where's Jesus? Where is the king that, that I want? These are more than just a misguided impression of, of Jesus as our king. Those thoughts about Jesus, treating Jesus like that kind of king, it is sinful. It, it disrespects Jesus as king. It dishonors Jesus as our king. So when Jesus said to Pilate, is that your own idea or, or is other, are others talking to you about me? What, what Jesus was asking Pilate is, what, what do you mean by the term king? Because at that time, there was probably two different ways Jesus could take that. Either the Roman way or the Jewish way. If he was using the term king in the Roman way, you would think of a king as an, as an earthly king. A king who had subjects, who probably had an army, who had a kingdom that had borders and he ruled over that kingdom. That's one sense of the word king. If you were thinking of king the Jewish way, then you would include the Messiah part there that, that was included in the Gospel of Luke. That Jesus was the Messiah king, as in he is the one who was promised throughout the, the Old Testament and this king is the fulfillment of, of those promises. Now, of course, Pilate is a Roman governor, knows very little of the Old Testament, has no real concept of what the Messiah is, and Pilate says as much. He says, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Pilate just can't seem to really get a sense of who Jesus is. It seems like Pilate's talked to Jesus for a little bit. He, he's formed his impression of, of Jesus, and he doesn't seem to think that the charges the people are bringing against Jesus are true. He, he doesn't seem to think that, that Jesus has done anything wrong, certainly nothing deserving of, of death. And so he's asking, why are these people bringing you to me? Why have you made, what have you done to make them so upset? On top of all of that, Pilate looks at, at Jesus, and Jesus is, is not wearing kingly clothes. He doesn't look royal or magisterial. He doesn't get the impression that Jesus is a king. There is nothing kingly about him. But then Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. If Jesus was a king in this world, then he would have subjects, people who were loyal to him, obedient to him, who would fight to prevent his arrest. That's what he's, he's saying. When the Jewish leaders tried to arrest him, you would have a group of people who would fight to make sure that that didn't happen. But Jesus' kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. His kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. But that's still something Pilate didn't understand because then he says... You are a king then. <laughs> Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What Pilate couldn't see, because it's only seen through eyes of faith, is that Jesus is a king. And not just a king, but Jesus is the king. He's the Messiah King. 
He is the king promised throughout the entire Old Testament to be the savior of the world and the hope for all mankind. He is a king that is far above and far beyond anything that Pilate could imagine because he's not an earthly king. He is a heavenly king. He is a heavenly king who didn't come for, for money or power or, or legacy. Jesus was born and came into this world for one purpose, to testify to the truth, to, to testify about him, himself. Because Jesus is the truth. He said as much earlier in the book of, of John. We're reading from the Gospel of John here. Earlier in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. The, the truth that would give himself up as the sacrifice for sin. The, the truth who would take the wrath of God that was intended for us. Jesus is the truth who would conquer death and in its place give life. Pilate didn't know who Jesus was or what the truth was, but you do. You know Jesus. You know that Jesus is king, which means that you can be satisfied and at peace with the fact that he's not an earthly king. He's not the do-whatever-I-want king. He's not the make-me-happy-and-comfortable king. Jesus is my heavenly king. He is my heavenly king who was so powerful that he defeated death. He is my heavenly king who is so powerful that he crushed the head of the greatest enemy that I could ever have, Satan. He is so powerful that he could save you and me, which is no small task. We sometimes think, oh, Jesus saved us. That's a small thing. It was no small thing. He was so powerful as your heavenly king that he was able to save you from sin, death, and the devil. So in this case... We'd have to say that first impressions are wrong. Because maybe people would look at Jesus, maybe if we lived in that day, we would look at Jesus and say, he is normal, average, nothing special. But in fact, Jesus is our powerful king and he still remains our powerful king today. He still continues to reign on his throne. And so as we praise him, we can say, all hail King Jesus, who gives us what no other king would or could. He gives us the truth and he gives us life. Amen.